chapter 1, verses 26 through 55, verses 26 through 33. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Burkett notes, In this history of our Savior's miraculous and immaculate conception, we have several things observable. As one, the messenger sent from heaven to publish the news of the conception of the Son of God, an angel. An evil angel was the first author of our ruin. A good angel could not be the author of our restoration, but is the joyful reporter of it. Observe, too, the angel's name, Gabriel, which signifies the power of God. The same angel who had many hundred years before declared to the prophet Daniel the coming of the Messiah. Observe, three, the place which the angel is sent unto, Nazareth, an obscure place, little taken notice of, Ye, a city in Galilee, out of which arises no prophet. Even there doth the God of prophets condescend to be conceived. No blind corner of Nazareth can hide the blessed virgin from the angel. The favors of God will find out his children wherever they are withdrawn. Observe 4. The person whom the angel is sent unto, to a virgin espoused, whose name was Mary. For the honor of her virginity, Christ chose a virgin for his mother. For the honor of marriage, a virgin espoused to a husband. Observe 5. The message itself. Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Where note, the angel salutes the virgin as a saint. He doth not pray to her as a goddess. The Church of Rome idolatorily uses these words as a prayer to the Holy Virgin. Say ten Ave Marias for one Patra Nosta. Whereas they are only a salutation declaring that she, above all women, had the honor freely conferred by God upon her to be the mother of the Messiah. The original word signifies not full of grace, but freely beloved. Compare Mary with other renowned women, and what had she besides this favor more than they? Had she the spirit of prophecy? So had they. Had she the spirit of sanctification? So had they. Had she no more immunity and freedom from sin and death as they? Accordingly, says the angel, blessed art thou among women. He doth not say, blessed art thou above women. Let the church of Rome be as conspicuous as they will in the commendation of the mother, so they will not derogate from the glory of the son. But how senseless are they, one, in turning a salutation into a prayer, two, in making use of these words upon every occasion, which were spoken by an angel upon a special occasion. 3. In applying these words to her now in heaven, which suited with her only when she was here on earth, saying, Full of grace to her who is full of glory, and the Lord is with thee, to her that is with the Lord. Observe 6. The effect which the sight and salutation of the angel had upon the Holy Virgin. 
she was afraid. If Zachary before her was amazed at the sight of the angel, much more the virgin, her sex, subjecting her to fear. All passions, but particularly the passion of fear, disquiets the heart and makes it unfit to receive the messages of God. Therefore the angel instantly says unto her, Fear not. Let joy enter into thy heart, out of whose womb shall come salvation. Thus the fears of holy people do end in comfort. Joy was the errand which the angel came upon, not terror. What little cause she had to fear the presence of an angel who was so highly favored of him, at whose presence the angels tremble. But we see the holiest person on earth cannot bear the presence of a holy angel, much less the presence of a holy God, nor stand before the manifestation of his favor. Lord, how unable, then, will the wicked be at the great day to stand before the manifestation of thy fury, if the sight of a holy angel now makes the best of saints to quake and tremble, what will the sight of an infinitely holy and just God then do when the wicked shall be slain by the brightness of his presence? Observe, lastly, the character which the angel gives of the person that should be born of the Blessed Virgin. He shall be great and called the Son of the Highest, great in respect of his person, great in respect of his offices, great in respect of his kingdom. For God would settle upon him a spiritual kingdom, of which David's earthly one was a type, which never shall be abolished. Though the administration of it by the word and sacraments shall cease at the day of judgment, when he shall deliver up his kingdom in that respect to his father, all other kingdoms have had or shall have their periods. But the gospel church, which is Christ's kingdom, shall continue till his kingdom of glory be revealed. Verses 34 through 38. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, Thy cousin Elizabeth hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. Burkett notes, Observe here, one, the virgin's question. How shall this be? This question does not import her denial of the possibility of the thing, but her wonder at the strangeness of the thing. It proceeded rather from a desire of information than from a doubt of infidelity. Therefore, she doth not say, this cannot be, nor how can this be, but how shall this be? She doth not distrust, but demands how her virginity should become fruitful, and how she, being a virgin, could bring forth a son. Observe, too, the angel's reply to the virgin's question. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee where, note, the angel declares the author who, but not the manner how, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, but in what way and after what manner is not declared. No mother knows the manner of her natural conception. What presumption had it then been for the mother of the Messiah to have inquired how the Son of God could take flesh and blood of his creature? It is for none but the Almighty to know those works which do immediately concern himself. Observe 3 the holy and immaculate conception of our blessed Redeemer. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. Wherefore, that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. 
That is, the Holy Ghost shall prepare and sanctify so much of thy flesh, blood, or seed as shall constitute the body of Christ. For though it was a work of the whole Trinity, yet it is ascribed particularly to the Holy Ghost, sanctification being his peculiar work. And the title and epitaph of that holy thing showeth the purity and immaculateness of Christ's human nature, and that none was ever born thus holy and immaculate but Christ only, because none had ever such a way and means of conception but only he. Therefore that holy thing shall be called the Son of God, not constituted and made, but evidenced and declared. Christ was God before he assumed flesh, even from eternity, but his taking flesh in this manner evidences him to be the Son of God. Observe 4. The argument used by the angel to confirm Mary in the belief of what he had told her, namely, the wonderful conception of her cousin Elizabeth in her old age, who was now six months gone with child, where observe 1. What an exact knowledge God has, and what a particular notice he takes of all the children of men. He knoweth not only ourselves, but our relations also. Behold thy cousin, Elizabeth. The knowledge which God has of every person and every action is a clear and distinct knowledge. Note, too, how the angel strengthens her faith by a consideration drawn from the almighty power of God. With God, nothing shall be impossible, be it never so strange and difficult. There is no such way to overcome difficulties as by strengthening our faith in the almighty power of God. Faith will enable us to assent to truth, though seemingly incredible, and to believing the possibility of things, though appearing impossible. Observe, lastly, how the Virgin expresses her faith in obedience, her submission and entire resignation to divine pleasure, to be disposed of by God as he thought fit. Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. We hear of no more objections or interrogations, but a humble and submissive silence. Learn hence that a gracious heart, when once it understands the pleasure of God, argues no farther but quietly rests in a believing expectation of what God will do. All disputations with God, after his will is made known and understood, arise from infidelity and unbelief. The Virgin, having thus consented, instantly conceived by the overshadowing power of the Holy Ghost. Verses 39 to 45 And Mary arose in those days, and went into the hill country with haste, into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leapt in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Burkett notes, observe here, 1. The visit made by the Virgin Mary to her cousin Elizabeth. The Holy Virgin had understood by the angel that Elizabeth was no less akin to her in condition than in relation, being both fruitful in conception. She hastens into the hill country to visit that holy matron. The two wonders of the world were now met under one roof, to congratulate their mutual happiness. Only the meeting of saints in heaven can parallel the meeting of these two saints on earth. Observe, too, the design and intention of this visit. 
which was partly to communicate their joy to each other and partly to strengthen the faith of each other. Such a soul as has Christ spiritually conceived in it is restless and cannot be quiet until it has imparted its joy. Observe 3. The Effect of the Virgin's Salutation She had no sooner saluted Elizabeth, but the babe in Elizabeth's womb leapt for joy, doing homage and praying adoration to his Lord, who was then in presence. If Elizabeth and her holy babe thus rejoiced when Christ came under their roof, how should our hearts leap within us when the Son of God vouchsafes to come into the secrets of our souls, not to visit us for an hour, but to dwell with us, yea, to dwell in us, and that forever? Observe 4. How Elizabeth, by an extraordinary spirit of prophecy, confirms what the angel before had told the Holy Virgin. Blessed, says she, art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And what an honor is this, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. Where note how Elizabeth acknowledges the incarnation of Christ, and the union of the divine and human nature in the person of the mediator. She acknowledges Christ her Lord, and Mary to be the mother of the Son of God. Observe lastly how the Virgin is pronounced blessed, not so much for carrying Christ in her womb by sense, as for bearing him in her heart by faith. Blessed is she that believed. Mary was not so blessed in bringing forth Christ as believing in him. Yet the believing here mentioned, I take to be her firm assent to the message which was brought to her by the angel. As if Elizabeth had said, Dumbness was inflicted on my husband for his unbelief of what the angel said, but blessed art thou that didst believe the angel. My husband, a man, an aged man, a learned and eminent man, a priest of the Most High God, and the message to him of more appearing probability, yet he disbelieved. But thou, a woman, a mean, unlearned woman, of a private condition, and the message brought, most incredible, both to nature and reason, and yet it is believed by thee. Blessed, therefore, is she that believed. And know that as a reward for thy faith, all things shall certainly be performed that were foretold thee from the Lord. Hence learn, one, that it is the property of God to do great and wonderful things. Our faith must be great and our expectations great. Great expectations from God honor the greatness of God. That if our faith be great, God's performances will be gracious and full. Blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. Verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, for, behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imaginations of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent away empty. He hath helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Burkett notes, this is the first canticle or song of praise recorded in the New Testament, composed by the Blessed Virgin with unspeakable joy for designing her to be the instrument of the conception and birth of the Savior of the world. Where observe, one, the manner of her praise. 
her soul and spirit bear their part in the work of thanksgiving. My soul doth magnify, my spirit hath rejoiced. As the sweetest music is made in the belly of the instrument, so the most delightful praise arises from the bottom of the heart. Observe, too, the object of her praise. She doth not magnify herself, but the Lord. Yea, she doth not rejoice so much in her Son as in her Savior. Where note, one, that she doth implicitly own and confess herself a sinner, for none need a Savior but a sinner. Two, by rejoicing in Christ as her Savior, she declares how she values herself, rather than by her spiritual relation to Christ as his member, than by her natural relation to him as his mother. According to that of St. Austin, Mary was happier in conceiving the faith of Christ than in conceiving the flesh. She might have been miserable, notwithstanding she bore him as her son, had she not believed in him as her Savior. Therefore, she sings, My spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Observe 3. How she admires and magnifies God's peculiar favor towards herself in casting an eye upon her poverty and lowly condition. That she, a poor obscure maid, unknown to the world, should be looked upon with an eye of regard by him that dwells in the highest heavens. Where note that as God magnified her, she magnified him, ascribing all honor and glory to him, that had thus dignified and exalted her. He that is mighty hath done for me great things, and glorified be his name. Observe 4. She thankfully takes notice that it was not only a high honor, but a lasting honor which was conferred upon her. All generations shall call me blessed. She beholds an infinite lasting honor prepared for her, as being the mother of a universal and everlasting blessing, which all former ages had desired, and all succeeding ages should rejoice in, and proclaim her happy for being the instrument of. Observe 5. How the Holy Virgin passes from the consideration of her personal privileges to the universal goodness of God, showing us that the mercies in favor of God were not confined and limited to herself, but his mercy is on all them that fear him throughout all generations. She declares the general providence of God towards all persons. His mercy to the pious, his mercy is upon all them that fear him. His justice on the proud, he hath put down the mighty from their seat and scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. His bounty to the poor, he fills the hungry with good things. Learn hence the excellency and advantageous usefulness of the grace of humility. How good it is to be meek and lowly in heart. This will render us lovely in God's eye, and though the world trample upon us, he will exalt us to the admiration of ourselves and the envy of our despisers. Observe lastly how she magnifies the special grace of God in our redemption. He hath helped his servant Israel, that is, blessed them with a Savior, who lived in the faith, hope, and expectation of the promised Messiah. And this blessing, he declares, was one, the result of great mercy. He, remembering his mercy, hath helped his servant Israel. Two, the effects of his truth and faithfulness in his promises, as he promised to our forefathers, Abraham, and his seed forever. Learn hence that the appearance of the promised Messiah in the fullness of time, in order to the redemption and salvation of a lost world, was the fruit of God's tender love, and the effect of his faithfulness in the promises made of old to his church and children. He hath helped his servant Israel in the remembrance of his mercy, and he spake to our forefathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever.